0: Welcome to the podcast of the Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Jim Cole, and I'm proud to be the 96th president of Las Vegas Rotary. Las Vegas Rotary's main focus is on youth, specifically youth literacy and life skill development. If you're in town, we invite you to join us at the Lowry's Prime Rib at noon on Thursdays. You can also find more information about our meetings on lasvegasrotary.com. If you're unable to join us, we live stream our meetings on Facebook at noon Pacific time Thursdays. We hope you enjoy this podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Jim. Well, hello, everyone. I am so excited to be right here in this magnificent world class Las Vegas Rotary Luncheon. This is wonderful. And it is my absolute pleasure to be able to share a little bit about our world class ballet company that we have right here in Las Vegas. Amazing, right? Well, I hope that every single person in this room, especially after you hear from our artistic director, Roy Kaiser, will see us at the ballet this season. It is really remarkable. But I bet there's a lot of information you don't really know about the ballet. So before I introduce Roy, I just wanted to give you a quick brief review of what this amazing institution does here in Las Vegas. Nevada Ballet Theater has been here in Las Vegas providing amazing, impactful services for more than 47 years. Amazing, right? And I like to say the ballet actually stands on three legs, although our dancers stand on two, although it seems impossible. We have our professional company of over 30 dancers that do these amazing productions every season. We've got an Academy of Nevada Ballet Theater that brings in over 400 students as part I, I, I didn't know that this was so exciting that the I actually turned the lights out, right? <laughs> We're not quite ready for the, uh, for the video. Not quite. You'll, you'll get a taste of that. Over 400 students come through our doors in our Summerlin studios and then we also have an education outreach program that serves over 20,000 students as a nonprofit performing arts organization you can imagine how amazing it is that we're able to impact this community in so many ways right so I've seen this organization grow we've moved into the world-class performing arts center at the Smith Center and we really needed to have a world-class artistic director to help continue to expand the ballet And with that, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce our artistic director, Roy Kaiser. This amazing gentleman began as a dancer with his four brothers as a tapper, with amazing stints on television and across the United States. After training with the San Francisco Ballet and the School of Pennsylvania Ballet, Mr. Kaiser rose through the ranks of Pennsylvania Ballet and eventually became a principal dancer of the company, then was appointed the assistant ballet master. And following his retirement as a dancer, he was promoted to the position of ballet master and finally Associate Artistic Director, and then Artistic Director of Pennsylvania Ballet, in 1995. He currently holds the title of Artistic Director Emeritus, and fortunate for us, I was so excited in 2017, October, that he joined Nevada Ballet Theater. And without further ado, here is Roy Kaiser.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Cindy. So, hi everybody. I hear this is the greatest <laughs> Rotary Club in the world. Yeah, is that true? Yeah. <clears throat> These gentlemen down here, they thought there were going to be ballerinas. They turned around. Sorry to disappoint you. Um, anyway, it is uh, great to be here. I always love it when Cindy uh, introduces me, makes me sound really important right and and very accomplished Um, what that doesn't include though is why I'm here not here with you today but why I'm in Las Vegas I moved here uh, a little over a year ago from Philadelphia (laughs) is anybody else here from Philadelphia yes whereabouts perfect media okay Nice, yeah. Lo- I've met so many people here from, from Philadelphia, living in Las Vegas. Uh, anyway, I moved here a little over a year ago. I had, I had kind of semi-retired. I ran Pennsylvania Ballet for almost 20 seasons. Uh, it was time for a change for me and it was, I felt it was a time artistically for a change for the company. I wanted to travel. I was doing some consulting work and I was really, really happy And then I got this call about this company in Las Vegas that I really didn't know a whole lot about, that was looking for a new artistic director. And I said, thank you very much. No, I'm I'm just not interested. They they, uh, pressed me a little bit and said, just go out. Just go meet the people and talk to the people and see what's going on in Las Vegas. And I had not been to Las Vegas for 25 years prior to this trip. So I had these very preconceived ideas of what this city was. Well, I learned really quickly that I was wrong. Yeah, I, I learned very quickly that not only was there a first class ballet company here, there was a first class, one, one of the most beautiful performing arts centers in the entire world, in our Smith Center. There's this community of over 2 million people. Who knew? I had no idea that there is this vibrant community that is looking at life you know not only on the strip but beyond the strip and we we have these our professional sports teams coming uh as as i mentioned earlier the smith center or that new baseball stadium in summerlin i'm going to be living there i can't wait to wait for that to be up and running uh and i i became convinced that that to taking this company to its 50th anniversary and beyond, and developing it into a truly world-class arts organization recognized not only by a broader community in Las Vegas but recognized around the world as such, it's totally possible. Not only is it possible, I think, it's, I think it's likely. That's why I'm here. I'm here to give Las Vegas a world-class ballet company resident company at the Smith Center of Performing Arts. And you can applaud that. (laughs) So, you know, to get us from here to there, there's a lot of work that we have to do. I want to expand our seasons. I want to develop new repertoire for the company. Repertoire that will um, attract a broader audience. I'm walking right in front of your video, aren't I? Oh, it's not even running yet. Um, we need we need to develop new work for the company we need to I personally am really interested in finding collaborative opportunities here in Las Vegas there are so many artists not just the performers that are performing up and down the strip and around the community but designers costume designers and musicians and composers and I'm looking constantly looking for opportunities to collaborate and create Work that is really unique to Las Vegas—things that could only happen here. Um, our upcoming program, which I'll talk a little bit about in a moment, um, of Firebird, uh, which is a rep program of four pieces. I've asked the music director of the Las Vegas Philharmonic, Harmonica, Donado d- 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 Bou- d- d- Cabrera, to conduct our orchestra for this program. So there's a little crossover right there. How many, has anybody here seen the company um, in, up in close and personal? I know I know this gentleman, Jim, has. Great. So what's wrong with the rest of you? <laughs> huh? One of the other things that I've been doing a lot of since I got here is just trying to spread the word a little bit about the company. One of, um, Cindy mentioned earlier that when she first moved to Las Vegas, she was, she was you know, very big into all of the arts and culture, but she had no idea there was a ballet company here, something we still face in many ways. So I'm out speaking to the greatest Rotary Club in the world and other organizations, not nearly as great as you, um, uh, to just spread the word, create awareness about what we're doing and ask people to come and check us out. I'm halfway through my first season. I'm going to give you just a little uh, a snapshot of what, what we are trying to accomplish and what we do in addition to all of our outreach efforts and our academy and teaching the students. For me, what really is our public face and what the reason that we exist is what we put on the stage. Uh, we, we do five programs a year including the Nutcracker. Our season runs basically from uh, uh, October to May every year, and we do all of our performances except uh, two of those series at the Smith Center for the Performing Arts. Uh, we open our season every year. This is, we just, uh, just had our 11th season where we uh, put together a choreographer showcase, which is a very, very unique collaboration between the dancers and artists of Nevada Ballet Theatre and the dancers and artists uh, of Cirque du Soleil. How about that? Yeah? yeah? You doing that? You gotta come see this thing. It's really amazing. It's the se- I've, I've seen it now for two years. I came out and saw it before I was, uh, or just as I was announced as artistic director a year ago. Uh, we create a program, a special program where uh, the artists of Pennsylvania Ballet and anybody that works for Cirque—they don't even need to be performers. We had last season we had somebody apply to create a piece for the for the program uh, that was a stagehand. He had been a dancer before that, but he's a stagehand, and he wa- and he created a really wonderful, beautiful piece for us. But we we put these people together. We create all original work. We create a very unique experience that we perform uh, at the Mystere Theater down at Treasure Island. Uh, We have all of Cirque's resources. We have all their their costume people and their lighting talent and and it's really, this is the only city in the world where this can happen. The only city. There's no place else where you have that concentration of talent. So uh, we open every season with that. Very, very special. Hope you'll come see that. Then we go into our regular season at the Smith Center this last uh, uh, October. (laughs) I'm going backwards now. Last October we presented a new production uh, to Las Vegas of Ben Stevenson's Dracula. Um, Being an artistic director sometimes is not really brain surgery. Uh, We had dates right before Halloween so what do you put on stage? You put on Dracula. Um, but it was a wonderful production, and, w- and we we uh, brought a lot, a lot of people into the theater. Uh, and I think it really took the company to a new level as far as the quality of the overall production that they performed. Uh, every December, for every ballet company in the United States, it's the Nutcracker. Has anybody ever heard of that? Yeah. Yeah. We have a wonderful production that was actually built for the stage at the Smith Center, uh, uh, choreographed by James Canfield and we run that. We do, uh, I think last year, 12, we'll do 13 performances next year at the Smith Center. The Nutcracker is a United States phenomenon. In, In most European companies it's not really a holiday tradition, but in this country every major ballet company in any major city and even some not so major cities uh, you know the Nutcracker is 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 the bread and butter it's it's how we exist so uh, if it's December and you're in the ballet world you're you're doing Nutcracker um, and then after that where are we now oh we are in we're our upcoming program in February next week uh, we're doing a mixed rep program that encompasses a lot of things that are important to me as, as a director and a lot of things that I think are going to take this company from where we are today into the future. Uh, a couple of, of existing ballets from various parts of, of ballet history uh, by very varied choreographers. Uh, George Balanchine probably the greatest choreographer of this century, uh, uh, his Ramonda variations will open the program. Uh, then we have a very brief uh, pas de deux, which is a dance for two, uh, beautiful couple doing this pas de deux from the 1980s. It was choreographed by Gerald Arpino, one of the directors of the Joffrey Ballet. We are closing the program with uh, the Firebird, uh, which many people know that music and that score, beautiful Stravinsky Stravinsky score. Um, Uh, choreographed by Yuri Poshikov, one of the leading choreographers in the world today, and in the middle of that program will be a world premiere, so this this is what's really close to my heart, creating work specifically for Nevada Ballet Theatre on the artists of Nevada Ballet Theatre. I asked choreographer Nicola Fonte, who is a world-renowned choreographer, to come in and create uh, something original for us. This is what will create our unique identity in the dance world and beyond. Uh, And he's created this really energetic uh, tour de force, tour de force uh, work for the company. They look fantastic in it. And uh, that'll round out this program. And we we have a video here, right? Just a short one? Are you pointing to this gentleman? Here's a little, um, a little preview to uh, Niccolo's work, which will premiere next week at the Smith Center. He's usually louder than that.
3: I'm not one of those choreographers that asks people to generate movement, because I know that's very in fashion right now. You know, you go in a room and you generate your own material. I I don't do that, I'm not interested in that. But I do expect a lot of their own feedback. And whether that's even verbal, like speaking to me feedback, or it's just a physical kind of way of, of offering information to me as the choreographer, and I expect that in the room. That level of um, involvement creates identity. You know, you start to see who really is a star in the company, who really is super creative, who, who can um, make a moment out of nothing, you know? I mean, I, I have no qualms about saying some, some of the material I come up with is terrible, <laughs> and then it takes a really talented artist to reshape it and be like, oh, actually that's not so terrible after all. You know, that, that, that dancer really knows how to create a moment out of nothing.
2: I mean, looking to the future of Nevada Ballet Theatre, as we lead up to our 50th anniversary and beyond, I think new work is critical. It's, uh, it, it creates a unique identity for the company and kind of separates us from other companies around the country and around the world. Audiences today have a very different uh, sensibility and, and different expectations when they come to a theater. And choreographers creating today have a very different perspective than choreographers had a hundred years ago. Dancers today have a very different life experience than dancers had a hundred years ago. So it's important to You know, bring all of those elements together and create something while, while, again, it is classical ballet, uh, create something that's relevant today.
3: The piece is inspired, I think, by uh, kind of uh, the idea of the ability to sort of rise above the earth as if you were, you know, inside a crane and that you could be able to look down on civilization below and just be removed from it and have just a a kind of a a serene moment of peace while you were watching, observing. Um, And something about that ran parallel to the actual birds, cranes, Um, cranes do fly. Cranes love to dance. They have this really elaborate dance that they they perform for each other. And then, of course, the whole mating ritual, which I think is very beautiful. Cranes are extremely monogamous. Once they uh, mate, they, they are mates for life. The primary music is a piece actually called Crane from uh, an Irish composer called Donacha Denehy. Dennehy. I thought it was super powerful. There's a huge brass section uh, involved, lots of percussion, and then some really, really beautiful lyrical string sections in it, a lot of contrast. And um, when Roy said that, you know, we had the orchestra for this program, I really thought the, the piece would work out great, you know, to, to hear it live. if you don't risk failure, I think you don't really get at success, true success. So I think you have to take the risk, and I found here that everyone was really, really willing and ready to take that risk, to just kind of go for it and see where this could go. And we've had a lot of fun in the process as well.
2: There we go. Yeah the creative process is, uh, uh, you know, an investment by, by a ballet company. You're investing time and resources. You can't. The choreographer can't create the piece in a vacuum. Uh, b- he needs to be in a studio weeks and weeks and weeks on end with, with the artists, with the dancers. Uh, so I'm very very proud that we'll be we'll be premiering that next week. Um, two more things coming up in the rest of the season, and then I'm going to stop. We have, um, uh, for the last number of years, we've done a studio series. Uh, And this is something that is uh, open to our subscribers, our subscriber base. It's a program we put together specifically to perform in our home studios out in Summerlin. So people get a very up-close look at how the company works, a little behind-the-scenes stuff going on there. Uh, but ver- but very intimate, close up uh, experience with the company. And Cindy told me right before I came up, it's not too late to subscribe and come see that, uh, have that as as part of your package. Um, and then th- at the end of the season uh, is probably what I am most excited about. Uh, in our season, uh, we'll be create we'll be presenting a premiere uh, for Las Vegas of uh, the ballet Alice in Wonderland. This particular production uh, was created by a choreographer by the name of Septim Weber, who is uh, currently the artistic director of the Hong Kong Ballet. And when I first saw this production, it just knocked me off my feet. I could not believe how spectacular the scenic elements were, how spectacular the choreography was. Um, As Cindy mentioned earlier, we have an academy with over 400 students in it, this ballet has approximately 50 to 60 roles for uh, the students in our academy so they get to experience working side by side with the professional company. Um, it's really just a visually uh, stunning performance uh, production with a lot of, a lot of incredible uh, special effects and, and anyway we just have a very brief uh, uh, promo here of uh, uh, Septim Weber talking about Alice This is when the ballet was done at uh, Kansas City Ballet. This
4: production of Alice is really special. Um, It has a a world premiere score by Matthew Pierce that captures these crazy characters. Um, You know, the, the story is this collection of experiences that this young girl has and each little chapter is wrought in such a humorous, outlandish way by Lewis Carroll. And I think Matthew Pierce did a great job in distilling the energies of those characters throughout the the whole ballet. Um, And then layered on that are Liz Van Dahl's spectacular designs for costumes for, for those characters. I think that's part of the success of the story is that the, each component is realized so fully by those great artists and these sort of energies distilled so well. And Alice's journey is, is both believable and also so outsized and kind of trippy. It's a real experience. Our ballet tradition is passed by definition from one group of dancers to another. And every time that happens, the ballet is renewed and reinvigorated and reinvented. Um, and so, my goal for the Kansas City Ballet is not for the dancers here to do it, dance those roles just as they were created by the originators of the roles, but instead to reinvent the roles for themselves. So, I'm here. Um, not just to tell the dancers what's right and what's not right, but instead to, to give them the authority to um, realize themselves in those roles. And that means uh, maybe stretching some things technically, uh, and that actually means uh, maybe adjusting some of the steps to maximize the theatrical effect and dramatic effect um, for these artists.
2: Okay. So everybody raise your hand and say, I'm going to come see Alice in Wonderland. Look at that. Okay. We got it. We got it. Anyway, I've, I've been uh, uh, going on probably longer than I should have, but um, I wanted to open it up. If any questions, anything that, um, yes, ma'am.
4: Anyway, she was describing the pain that a female ballerina goes through because of being on toe. Is that yes. true? I mean, um, her, her, her feet were crippled, basically. Feet, yes. Uh,
2: uh, uh, human feet were not really made to go into, you know, a, a, a shoe with a box like that and then to support all of your weight on it. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I can't really speak to whether it's... Uh, to how painful it is. I know that dancers work very, very hard from a very young age to build up strength to, uh, you know, avoid most of those problems. But dance is a very, and this is a whole different conversation we could have, dance is a very athletic art form. I mean, dancers are incredibly fit. They're 20 times more fit today than they were when I performed years ago. They have so many more uh, options, you know, Pilates and they have physical therapy that helps keep them healthier, and, and they can go in, they can have preventive measures so that their careers last longer. They're incredibly fit people, um, uh, artists. So, yes, I mean, there is some of that. Hips go. I got a titanium one right here. <laughs> yep, right on the left side. Um, but yes, yeah, yes, sir. You want to you join the company? <laughs> no. uh, ballet is beautiful.
0: Is Swan Lake ever coming back? Yes, sir. It's the most beautiful ballet I have ever seen.
2: Yes, uh, I I can't promise this at this moment, but as we speak, and I was actually just talking to somebody this morning, we're trying to secure production of Swan Lake for next season, for us, okay, at the at the Smith Center. So, yes.
3: Which ballets would you like to bring to Las Vegas besides the obvious? You'd yeah,
2: you, know, you know, I I have a very eclectic taste. Uh, um, I there there are many choreographers out there that I admire, uh, both uh, <laughs> dead choreographers and living <laughs> choreographers. Um, I like the work of George Balanchine a lot. I think he just was probably the most pro- he is the most prolific choreographer any of us will know in our lifetime. Um, Classic uh, ballets, uh, the gentleman mentioned Swan Lake, one of my favorites. I love Romeo and Juliet because I think the score is so incredible. Uh, so I, I will always put a season together that uh, has elements of the classics. So we'll have one or two of the classics on that program. We will have some existing works that were done for other, other companies by other choreographers and then, and then an element of new work that's original to Nevada Ballet Theater. I try and mix that up and make it just a, you know, a pleasing experience for our for our audience from beginning to end. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah.
3: Uh, why would uh, you be changing things if it's been proven, like Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake? Uh, it's been what over a hundred. 200 years or so? Yes, And you say that it's changing. Is it constantly changing? If uh, you reach perfection, is there always room for improvement? Well,
2: the thing with with ballet is that there's, um, you never reach perfection. (laughs) Any golfers in the room? (laughs) (laughs) Right? So one of the most famous dancers of all time, Mikhail Baryshnikov, I'm sure you've heard of him. He is an avid golfer. And he was asked once, you know, why he enjoys golf so so much. He said, it's just like ballet. He said, you work every day, every day, every day for perfection that you know you'll never achieve. So, so it's ever-changing. And Septim talked in his video a little bit about how different dancers bring different things to the same, to the same role. And that's another part of the art form that I find really interesting is that different dancers and artists can really change your experience in the theater doing the same ballet. We're good. Thank you very much and thank you all for having me today. This is the best Rotary Club in the world. Thanks for sharing uh, your vision with
0: us, Roy, and uh, we have a Share What You Can Award, which we are going to give to you, and so this is, uh, we will feed a, a needy veteran with a hot meal in your name. So thank you so much for coming Okay, please remember to use the recycling bin over by the, um, uh, the badges when you leave. Uh, as we leave today, let's go forth in the world in peace, be of good courage, Hold fast that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the fainthearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honor all persons. Love and serve each other rejoicing in the fellowship of Rotary. Be people of action. Be the inspiration. Meeting adjourned. We hope you enjoyed this podcast of our latest meeting. If you'd like to know more about our projects or are interested in membership in the club, please visit us at lasvegasrotary.com. Now go forth and be the inspiration.